Rose Robbins is a British author and illustrator. She graduated with a first class honours degree in illustration in 2012 and received the Best New Blood Award at the DNAD Graduate Fair in the same year. Since then, she's completed her MA in children's book illustration at Cambridge School of Art and was highly commended in the Carmelite Prize in 2017. Rosie's recent books are inspired by her own life with an autistic sibling and celebrate the highs and lows of having a much-loved but differently abled brother or sister. She talked more about her latest title, Talking Is Not My Thing, It Just Imagines Nikki Gamble. I'm really interested to know a bit about your background and in particular uh, your journey into children's book illustration. My background uh, in illustration is... Well, it goes back quite a long way. I've been drawing pictures of creatures and stapling my own little books together since I was about the age of six or seven. And then I I was officially educated in illustration at university in Bristol. And I continued doing little comics and drawing books and things like that before I kind of decided... The children's books, which had always been something that I was interested in and I loved very much, um, was something that I wanted to do fully um, put myself into, really. Um, So I went ahead and applied to do the Masters in Children's Book Illustration at Anglia Ruskin University. And that's where I put together me and my sister and, well... The rest is history, I guess. It is. Recent history. <laughs> Quite recent, But it is yeah. history. Um, so the course that you did in Bristol was general illustration, not specifically children's books. That's right, yeah. And then uh, you went on to this fantastic course which has such a good reputation. It's not the only one in the country, but it certainly has a very strong uh, record. And uh, what what did you learn on that course? Um, was it just about the art or was it about the business of being an illustrator as well? We, we did learn a bit about the business of being an illustrator. You know, it's a very competitive world and it can seem like there's not enough space for everybody. But what I kind of learned on that course is that it's not a matter of there not being enough space, but a matter of making your own space really kind of crafting your own position in in the world of of children's books um which was really positive for me because I had felt before that I was this slight anomaly in um, the world of illustration and that I'd never fit in but I I regained my confidence on that course and and that really helped me what a good message and a good story uh, there is space as long as you can create your own space and I think just looking at your uh, two books here um, I would say that you have created your own space because they're distinctive they don't look like anything else uh, that's out there tell us from your point of view how would you describe what you what you do I guess I draw these funny creatures and they are kind of illustrations of I mean the two books that I've made here me and my sister and Talking is not my thing. Are books that I have made with the specific purpose of promoting visibility of children 
with disabilities or children who are autistic or have neurological differences and also promoting inclusive practice and showing the value of siblings to these kind of family structures. That's in terms of what the books deal with. And yeah. the look of them is also very distinctive, isn't it? Does that follow from what it is that you're trying to do in the book or is this a style that would be applied to no matter what you were writing about? How, how does one grow out of the other? It all happened at once. I remember drawing the idea out and it all happened quite suddenly and the characters just just sort of I started drawing them and I've, I've had characters in the past who have these pointy ears and there's two of them and they're slightly different and they interact in various different ways but these ones were different and in that they were children and that they had more features and um, I think they they had evolved from that and I was really relieved that I drew them and they weren't um, accidentally like Mickey Mouse or um, Daffy Duck or something like that. Yeah. And I could I could still go ahead with using them without being taken to court or something like that. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> don't look like uh, Mickey Mouse or Daffy Duck. I suppose I don't draw, draw don't draw hu- I haven't drawn them as humans. And um, when I draw humans, I draw humans with the specific intent of drawing humans. I naturally don't really draw human beings, and I don't really know why that is. And what kind of materials and things do you use? Are they painted or printed? They are ink drawings done on layers of mark-resist paper, scanned in, and then edited on Photoshop into different colours, and then edited multiple times on Photoshop to get rid of all the different bits of dust that I've accidentally scanned in. It's probably more hassle than it's worth, but I enjoy doing it in a strange way. And it, it, it's the only way I can get the texture that I like on on the different colours. So that's how I do it. they do have a printed look to them, some of the yeah. textures, don't they? They're not completely flat. No. I could try and print them, but I think that would be a bit too messy. I, I mean, I would try... I, I do do printing at home sometimes but when I do it it looks a lot messier um, than these illustrations do and it's a lot more difficult to edit um, Mm. digitally and I'm I'm just so used to being able to edit things digitally that I don't think I could I could do without to be honest I'm Mm. I'm a bit of a perfectionist and the power is very is limited yes um I don't know, is it three colours or four colours? We were talking earlier about some of your books that you enjoyed from childhood. Yeah. um, From the 60s. And I was saying, oh, there's quite a lot of colour separation there. Mm. And actually, although these aren't colour separated, you can see something of that feel about them. Yeah. um, I always used to draw just in black and white. And then one of the technical instructors at university suggested that I added a colour, just the one colour to my drawings and I thought, oh okay just one colour, I can handle that and I did it and that totally just like made all the difference to my art from that that point on and then I could start adding then I started adding more and more colours um, which was really exciting and so I suppose 
I've always been into limited color, really. I can't use loads of colors. Um, when I do, it all just gets a bit muddy, really. Mm -hmm. It's a bit like when you try to mix too many paints together and it all just goes a bit murky. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit about you and how the um, illustrations are created. I think we should have a look inside the book and uh, explore a little bit more what the book's about. So we'll start with me and my sister, which is already out there and has received some very positive reviews, particularly our teacher reviewers have, have loved it. Tell us how this book came about. It was originally going to be dedicated to my brother, but um, it's my, my autistic brother who inspired this book. But then I thought, actually, this book is dedicated to my my whole family. Um, in that it's it's not so much a book about my brother or my brother being autistic as much as it is about our relationship. And it's really a book about the relationship between siblings and specifically a sibling relationship where one of the siblings is disabled or one of the siblings is autistic and that's a very distinct kind of relationship because well for many reasons but some of them I've outlined in this book we could have a look at some of the things that you <laughs> say because I think I think what really struck me and the reason I feel that it is getting such positive reviews mm. is that it just feels really honest and authentic I'm glad you feel that way. It, it, it's quite a difficult... As you can tell, I'm, I'm finding it quite difficult to to talk about. And for that reason, books can be so helpful mm -hmm. and so useful. Mm -hmm. um, and to see your experience that you find quite difficult to articulate in a book um, can just be very liberating. And that's part of the reason that I wanted to make this book for younger people so that they had the opportunity a bit earlier... Mm. than most of us do. Mm. Um, I used to facilitate a support group for adult siblings. So some of the parts of this book are actually inspired by some stories from that group, um, as well as my own experiences. There's a tremendous warmth in it as well, it has to be said. And it's a, it is actually a joyful book. Mm. There's, there's a lot of um, family happiness uh, in here. So uh, there's the positive in almost everything, isn't there? So, for instance, we're looking at a page here, um, which is about food and eating, eating different <laughs> foods, but actually there's more. They have more in common, perhaps, than they have differences. Yes, I think I think that's something people should be reminded of more in general in society with disability, because there's so much focus on differences and separation of people and I just think it would be wonderful if, if there was a bit more of a normalisation mm. of people who are different, who are visibly different or audibly different. Or mm. I mean, we were talking before we started the podcast earlier mm. about your other work uh, <laughs> that you um, you help out in or you work in uh, the sector of, of elderly care and dementia yeah. care um, and rather than seeing that as a 
difference mm. that actually it's part of life and instead of fighting against it perhaps to go yeah. with it and get the positive out of it might be a better way for all of us to go yeah I think it's definitely good to see focus on what positives that you can but at the same time not take for granted you know if, if, you, if you are struggling to be able to, to express that and um, there's part of there's part of me and my sister that I that I felt needed to go in, which is the uh, the part where the the brother is um, complaining <laughs> a little bit about he's getting told off this this bit yes this bit. sometimes I get told off even when it's not my fault and my sister doesn't mm. and. Uh, absolutely classic experience for most siblings who who have a disabled brother or sister and this page doesn't really have a resolution because there's not what a lot of books will do is say it's because my sister can't understand this or it's because my brother is autistic or this or that and I used to get quite upset because I wasn't convinced by this explanation that my brother didn't understand I thought oh he does understand he's just doing it it's not fair why can't I get away with this and I think those will be quite familiar thoughts to other children you know how come they can get away with it this 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 and that and you don't like you don't like thinking those thoughts about your brother or sister. It makes you feel guilty in the long run. And there's better ways to encourage empathy, I think. And I think overall, in, encouraging closeness, encouraging ways to engage and be having a closer friendship and understanding your brother's and sister's condition in small ways. Um, can be really helpful. I think it's a really interesting one for school as well because mm. clearly this is in a home setting. Yeah. But equally these things happen in the classroom and um, it could be that a teacher has to deal with a, in a particular way mm. with one child and it might not seem equitable to other children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What else did we find? Ah, oh, let's talk about this one, public mm-hmm. perception. Oh yes, I love reading this one. <laughs> there's, a, there's a previous page, maybe I should, oh, should read the we previous, do the previous page. Because yeah. otherwise it doesn't make much sense. Um, my sister knows how to make me laugh. And they're running through the garden, chasing a little butterfly. And they're messy. They're very messy, mm. yes, covered in mud. But strangers don't always see her the way I do. And there's a bunch of people, they're, they're strangers, and they're kind of side-eyeing them. Um... And the sister is saying, poody poody poo. And goodness only knows what that means, you know. So that is a kind of, it doesn't sound polite, but that is a polite kind of example of something that my brother might have exclaimed while we were out and about in public. In the super- supermarkets are often, are often the venue of stranger encounters for families and it's hard because once again there's not a whole lot that you can do besides reassure and educate children and hope that they can understand that it's not their siblings fault it's 
other people, them not knowing, them not understanding what's going on. And that's for whatever reason that they haven't come across. They haven't come across this kind of behaviour before. To them, it, it might seem aggressive. To them, it might seem that they're being naughty and their way of dealing with it might be to scold or it might be to look in an angry way towards mm. the child. There's yeah. lots of positive things in here. Maybe we should have a look at some of uh, have a look at some of those. What what would you pick out as the most joyful page? This is my favourite spread because um, this is very reflective of me and my brother and how we would interact together. And my brother, when he needed to be alone, it was very, very clear because he would mm. go into his room, blanket over his head, and he'd kind of wave you away, a bit like the Queen. And mm. um, <laughs> so you'd be like, OK, see you later. So there are clear signals. Yes, very much so, very much so. And uh, if he if he was happy to see you and have a chat, you could bring him a book and you could look at a book together. And so that was wonderful. So this, this page, um, I can read, let's see. Sometimes my sister just needs to be alone. And sometimes she doesn't. So on this on this page we've got the little the brother looking through the sister's door at the sister who's looking at her little boat. Oh yeah. Um and then they're reading together looking at a picture of a dragon. Yeah. Can I just ask you mm-hmm. um while we're talking about positive things, mm-hmm. having an autistic sibling, mm. how do you think that's benefited you? It's benefited me in, in so many ways. I can read people better from their what people are saying without their words better because I've had to do that <laughs> with mm. with my brother. That's been our communication method mm. my whole life, and and I feel like I don't take friendship for granted because any any small connection with with my brother was very precious to me. I suppose. Before we stop completely, I think you've given us a really good insight um, into what me and my sister is about, but can you just set up for us and tell us a little bit about what we've got to look forward to, which is talking is not my thing. Yes. So with this book, it's slightly different in that it is actually from the sister's perspective, and she is... She is the autistic sibling, and she is non-verbal, so she speaks through various different methods, which you discover throughout the book. So I really wanted to do this book basically ever since I had done Me and My Sister because I wanted to give her a chance to give her side on things, basically. And I wanted her to give her side on things to the reader, but to also show how she could communicate with her brother in the book as well. So I've kind of tried to do quite a lot of things with this book. Mm. In that I've tried to com- have her communicate her life to the reader whilst communicating her life to her family. And that's actually quite difficult, <laughs> I learned. Absolutely. Yeah. So her communication to the reader is mm. through Thought Bubble, yes, isn't it? Yes, yes. But the family have to read other kinds of 
yeah, signal. Her family cannot read her thought bubbles. Only the reader can read the thought bubbles. Yeah. Which did confuse me a little bit while I was reading it. I was like, can't they just read the thought bubbles so they can just understand what she's trying to say? <sighs> but then, you know, and that was quite fun because you could really get in, you can really kind of get into her frustration in that way because you're like, why can't they understand this? It's right there. Um, so the book itself is really about, it's partly about her frustration at not being understood and it's partly just about how actually she can be understood and she can express herself. And she can not only do that, but she can actually lead activities with her brother using her skills that aren't communication. So she has Aunt verbal communication. Sorry, yeah, she has a real sense of agency. Yeah, in this book, and it would be very easy to just keep writing books about children with autism where they don't have any agency. Yeah. So um, I had a bit of help with this book, not just from my editor, but also um, Dr. Rebecca Butler, and she helped me to encourage ways to give the sister in this book more agency um, because she's a real advocate for for more active disabled characters in children's books what what practical advice was she able to give well she was she was quite with this particular spread here where the sister is showing her brother teaching her brother a game with drawing whereas I think before there wasn't an example where she was taking the lead and Becky pointed that out to me and I'm really grateful for her help with that because although I'm autistic I'm not a non-verbal autistic person and I have quite a lot of agency myself so I knew I knew that I needed some extra guidance with this Becky isn't a non-verbal autistic person but she's an expert on these things Mm -hmm. and she really helped me with that so She's been a part of this book as well, so I thought I should mention. Have you had much feedback from parents or teachers who've been sharing these books with children? And what sorts of things have they um, reported back to you? I've had some really good feedback from parents so far. I've had one father who said that they gave me and my sister to their to their child who's a sibling and that they have been going and getting the book off the shelf to read and to me that's just lovely to think that there are children actually reading it and enjoying it and that's you know that's why I'm doing it and um, what I really want to do is go into schools and I know that there are some schools with sibling groups as well and try to try to go into those schools and and share the book with the sibling groups and with other with other groups as well especially talking is not my thing because I've actually learnt all the Makaton symbols for me and my sister. And uh, I'd like to try and, uh, try and bring those in, which would be fun. And very last question. Yeah. Is there another book coming after this one? Um, we're currently in discussions about another another book that will be have more characters and it will be, let's say, a bit more action-packed. Right, okay. Um, Rose Robbins, thank you so much for talking to us in the Reading Corner today. It's been such a pleasure having you. Thank you, It's it's been lovely.
Thanks for listening to In the Reading Corner with Just Imagine. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can find many more on the podcast section of our website, justimagine.co.uk, plus via iTunes or your usual podcast provider. Don't forget to pass the pod and recommend this fantastic free resource to your friends and colleagues. Just Imagine also has a free fortnightly newsletter packed full of the latest news, CPD training, reviews and giveaways. To sign up, visit justimagine.co.uk forward slash newsletter.